Who's enjoying this series so far? Twisted Scripture. Anybody? Anybody? There we go. Should I ask who's not enjoying this series so far? Well, I have either bad or good. Oh, Laura, she went like this. She doesn't know. She likes it. Maybe she doesn't. Either way, bad and good news. It's ending today. Ooh, man. But it has been fun. I have loved it. But don't you fear because good things are on the horizon because next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. Yeah, we are baptizing right now uh, four individuals. Three of those are my kiddos, and then we have another, and I can't wait to celebrate what God has been doing one week from now. And so this is a, a, a invitation to come prepared to celebrate with us a week from today. The whole service will be surrounding baptism. It's going to be beautiful. And then the week after that, I'm excited to share what our new series is going to be. We're going to begin a four-week series. And uh, we're calling it Keeping Up with the Joneses. Like keeping up with the Joneses, you know, that expression. Yeah, we're going to be keeping up with the Joneses. Try spelling Joneses. It's very grammatically confusing. We, we landed somewhere on that. I don't even know where. But we are going to go through the epistles of John. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. We'll have a reading plan that goes along with it. We even may have a life group opportunity as well. All things for you to look forward to. I'm really excited about what that's going to be. I trust you will enjoy that as well. But today we're finishing up our series, Twisted Scripture. And the phrase we're considering... Or rather, let me give you the title first, and then you'll kind of know this, the saying, Where's the window? That's today's message title. Where's the window? See, we've been trying to untangle some of God's confusing passages that we often twist and use and abuse, but we're also considering other phrases and quotes that we've kind of twisted into the Bible. And today, we're talking about the phrase, When God closes a door, He opens a window. Now, as we've been kind of uh, preparing for this, you, you may have heard, you know, what does that even mean? We don't really know. That's supposed to be good news, but if, you know, we've said, is that good news if you're on the 16th floor, the window opens up? Is that good news if there's a blizzard outside? Is that a good news if there's a swarm of bees right outside that window? It's probably not good news if it's all three of those, and that window opens up, you're going to be running the other way, right? What does that mean? It's meant to be encouraging. It's meant to be a comfort and to bring comfort. And we always say this very well-meaning. I've said it. I'm sure you probably have said it. It's this optimistic, hope-filled view that God is absolutely at work and he has a good plan. That is true. That is good. And it's often shared when things just don't go our way or they don't go as we hoped. Maybe you didn't get that job. You lost that bid on your dream home. Or maybe you asked that girl on a date and she laughs in your face. And then she says, oh, you were serious. And then she says, sorry, uh, no. <laughs> ah, don't worry, because when God closes a door, he opens a window. Yeah. If this didn't work out, Something far better and greater must be coming your way and coming your way soon to a theater near you. It's a well-meaning but an incomplete expression. So what's the problem with it, right? It's well-intentioned, but what does it miss? Well, first off, 
Doors closing are not always bad, right? They're not always bad. Some of us are likely keeping a door propped open in our lives right now that we need to allow to shut. Or perhaps we are trying to shove our way through a, a door, this, this thing that we so desperately want. We're trying to push our way through and really, we need to let it stay shut. And this idea, this phrase we use, it often suggests that the path of the Christian life is from one good thing to the next good thing. Hey, that didn't work out? No problem. There's another opportunity. Something bigger and better is right on its way. This expression fails to acknowledge what anyone who's lived for any number of years comes to realize that the path of righteousness for God's sake, runs right through the valley of the darkest shadows. We read about that in Psalm 23. Life isn't this jolly journey from happy thing to happy thing, because hardship will come our way. And those shut doors can be very painful. And one final danger to name in this expression for us today it kind of does suggest that that next opportunity is just right around the corner. It's right there. It fails to mention that life has these seasons with the valley. And sometimes those seasons in the valley are so long and so dark, you cannot see the mountaintop that's coming. They're long seasons of the in-between. So we're going to try and bring some good news to this, because that doesn't sound like good news, but there is good news and we will get there. First, we have to consider, where did this expression even come from? Is it in the Bible? Well, some wonder if it's from the story of Noah and the ark that we read of in Genesis, the idea that God shuts the door and then a window opens and the dove flies out, right, to, to tell us when, when it's all good. And uh, but that kind of breaks down because Noah opens the window. So how does that really make sense? I don't know. It doesn't. So it's probably not from that. Others considered that, well, Paul, he talks about different opportunities in ministry of, of these opportunities either being opened or closed, such as when he wanted to go to Asia and God kind of redirects and the Spirit says, no, nah, we're going this way. And so they follow. That could be it. But they don't really talk about windows and and acts with Paul's journey. The only time he actually is mentioned with him in a window is when he is preaching and preaching and preaching all night long. And there's a little boy sitting up on the windowsill and Paul just keeps on preaching and the boy kind of falls asleep and falls out the window and he dies. Yeah, this happens. This is an act. And so God, through Paul, raises the boy back to life. And what does Paul do? He keeps on preaching. <laughs> Woo! So if you ever get frustrated with how long my sermons can be, could be worse. Could be worse. <laughs> Sorry. So I don't think this comes from Paul necessarily, though maybe not the window part, but the open and closed doors might be something there. But there is an actual origin to this quote. Does anybody know where it comes from? Anybody have an idea? Shout it out if you think you know. I'll give you a candy bar of your choosing if you know. Okay. Yeah, if you already know it, sorry, because you heard me talk about it. All right, uh, I'll give you a hint. You won't get any candy bars, but help me out. The hills are alive with the... You should have said it. You would have had a candy bar. 
Let's see it. Maria. Maria. Sound of music. She says, where the Lord closes a door, somewhere he opens a window. And that's where this expression comes from. And as much as you may like Sound of Music, it's not quite the Bible. <laughs> so we've twisted it in. And there are these similar themes to this idea present in Scripture, but it can get twisted and it can get dangerous. So let's try and find the good. Find the truth that is present within it and what it actually means for us. There are so many directions we could go. We could talk about why does God close doors. We could unpack the providential and sovereign plan of God. We could talk about discovering your purpose, your mission, your calling in life, which usually comes through a series of closed doors. But as I sat with this message and prayed over and prepared and ended up writing four drafts of it, (laughs) it's usually a one to two draft and then revision. It was a four draft week. I felt compelled to share kind of this story, a little bit more of what I have learned through my own personal walking through a time in the in-between. And so it's going to be a little bit more personal, a little bit more narrative grounded in God's word. And the theme is about trusting God when the doors just keep slamming shut. So that's what we're going to talk about the remainder of our time today. The scripture we're grounding ourselves on, there it is, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. You may have heard it, you may have it memorized, but maybe not in this translation. So let's go to it again. Trust in the Lord With all your heart, do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. This has been a guiding verse uh, for my life since I was 14 years old. When I was 14, and, you know, I always used to get stressed when people would ask me, Hey, what's your favorite Bible verse? I don't know. I like had a hard time memorizing verses and all that. I'm like, I don't know what my favorite verse is. I was just a young kid, right? And uh, then, then my pastor uh, at the time, Ralph Rolbron, shared with me uh, my favorite verse is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. I thought, hey, good enough for him, good enough for me. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is my favorite verse. And you know what? I really did come to love it. And yet, it's one of those verses likely will never master. It's a lifelong process of trying to live into the truths that it speaks of. And maybe that resonates with you. So I want to share with you about the season of closed doors a little bit and what I learned in my in-between time. Some of you know of part of this journey, uh, and some of you maybe don't, but I'm excited to share with it. And many of you, actually all of you in a way, were part of the journey. October 2015, a few years back, I was a campus minister for, uh, at Western's campus. That was my, my, my first pastoral ministry calling after I was ordained in 2014. And I was just about a year, almost a year and a half in doing this ministry that I felt called to. I loved it. I was excited about it. But there were a lot of circumstances that were primarily out of my control that was kind of leading that ministry to its end. And so October 2015, Miles is due in just a couple weeks, our firstborn child. And uh, the ministry had to come to a close. My first ministry calling, that door, shut. And this is what I wrote in that moment. 
I wrote in my journal Thursday, October 8th, 9.46 a.m., if that matters. Probably doesn't. This is what I wrote. I'm nervous and scared about the future. I'm sad to not continue investing in these students in the same way, and I feel like I let Meg and our family down. I know I didn't. I know Meg doesn't feel that way, but it's hard. I don't know what's next for me. We don't want to move, but we have to trust and follow faithfully wherever that might be. There's a part of me that's excited about the possibilities, but the hardships of right now prevent me from feeling that fully. And I wonder, as you consider some of your closed-door moments of your life, if this small glimpse into my mind might resonate a little bit with you. You know, when, when an opportunity that you had, that you loved, and, and you poured your heart into, and it came to an unexpected end, perhaps you felt that nervousness, that sadness, that, that loss, that fear of what's next, the fear of the unknown to come. But then there's that little other part that's tied into it as well, right? That longing to believe the words of Proverbs. You heard it in my right. We have to trust and follow faithfully wherever God leads us. It wasn't, I am trusting and following. We have to. I, we have to get there. We've got to figure out how to live into that. Because in that moment, I wanted to believe and trust that God had a plan and a path for me. And so I was trying to muster up the courage for the journey ahead. But I had no idea how hard it would be. Miles, he was due two weeks later. He came about a month later because good things are worth waiting for, I suppose. (laughs) Meg really enjoyed that wait. (laughs) Campus ministry comes to an official close. I begin the job hunt, the ministry calling, which is a lot of fun. Actually, there were some elements that were really fun at first. The first thing I did, I made a letterhead logo. Uh, There it is, KFS, my initials. I see it now. I would make quite a few changes to it, but thankfully I don't need that anymore. Uh, And if you know me, I'm a logo guy. So that's what I did. And then I made the perfect resume. Look at this thing. Oh, man. Oh, man. Look at how hireable that guy is, huh? Look at all those words. Look at that smile. This would be a cakewalk, right? Opportunities will come aplenty. (laughs) And that's when I learned that when a door closes, sometimes the window doesn't open for a long time. Sometimes it goes on a much different path than we imagine. See, we're an instant gratification people with a very patient and purposeful God. We get antsy and angsty in the waiting, and it doesn't take long. So as a door shuts, And as a door shuts for you, maybe there's a significant season ahead before that door or that window is going to open. So my encouragement is this, to remember God's truth, what he says in Isaiah. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. 
Now, if you don't know God very well, that might be a kind of scary thing to read, like, whoa, he's so different, he's so unknown to us. But if you have walked with God or you're learning about him, you will come to see that our God is a very loving and gracious, compassionate God who's holding all things together and working them all out. And and so this is actually a deep comfort when we don't understand what's going on in our lives. We can take comfort in this truth. See, I didn't have eyes to see what he was doing yet. I had no clue what he was up to. But he was actively doing a very good work. God works in the waiting. And as the season went on much longer than I anticipated, I can now look back and I can see what God was up to. I couldn't see him in the moment. I didn't have eyes for it. But now I can look back and see, and maybe in your life of faith, you can look back and say, I didn't know it then, but I know it now, what God was up to. It reminds me of cooking. I've talked about this quite a bit, that the seasoning comes from the simmer, right? Like in a stew or, or, or a soup, the longer you let it cook low and slow, the more those flavors come out, right? And, and, and that's kind of what I think God does in these seasons of waiting. He's seasoning us. He's at work preparing us for things to come, making us ready for that if we are willing to follow. And so days and weeks went by, sent in my info to over two dozen churches. I made a personalized cover letter for each one of those. That's a lot of letters to write. Sent in my resume with my smiling face. (laughs) Most churches... No response. Some churches said, we'll be in touch, and then never did. There were a few that just straight up said no, and I was like, thank you. That is kind. Your clarity is kind to me, because I now am not being strung along. And then there were a couple couple that said, hey, we need a little bit more information. I guess they didn't like the more information I provided, said, no, we're good. April rolls around. Miles is five months old. He is a joy every day but also a daily reminder of how long it's been that I've been searching for what God had next. I was staying home with Miles. I was stay-at-home daddy. Meg returned to work full-time. She was supporting us fully. She was my sugar mama. Thank you. (laughs) Am I allowed to say that? (laughs) I mean, it's true. I wasn't bringing anything in. She was caring well for us. Her desire, her heart's desire was to stay home, was to be in my shoes, to be with Miles. But she served so faithfully our family in those months. And if you've ever been in a season where your path was uncertain and your responsibilities are high, you may know the weight of that. You may know the weight of what I was feeling. See, by April, I had gone through a lot of rejection. I had not dealt with that much rejection since middle school, asking girls out, okay? And so this was hurtful. Because what happens in your life when you are faced with rejection? When you're faced with being ignored or feeling like you're being overlooked, what do we do? We hurt. We question. We wonder. And when you're in that place, it can be very hard to grow. It can be hard to find strength if you're trying to do it on your own. It is really hard to be our best selves. Because we start to question things. 
What, what is going on behind the scenes in those moments? Well, the lies of the enemy are loud, and God's enduring truth can sometimes seem far away. His plan, his path, and that promise window, we may start to doubt that it will ever come. That Maria was a liar. I don't see it. When doors shut and we're in the in-between, Satan will do all he can to prevent you from seeking God in the darkness. We are reminded of the truth that we have an enemy. As it says in 1 Peter, we are encouraged to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is actively looking to break in, to prey on us when we are weak. Find those lies and rip us open so that we start to question God's truth and stray from him and his path. So what do we do? What do we do if that is the, the, the temptation, the struggle, and the waiting? We steep ourselves in God's truth. We do everything we can to combat the lies of the enemy by, by, by going to his word and surrounding us with his people who can point us again to his truth. I got to such a low place, I, I had no choice but to desperately do intentional work in those days, trying to remind myself of who I am in God. I have journals of me just my, reading the Bible, my thoughts on, on those things and what they were saying to my life. I continued my, my monthly retreats to the Hermitage, this place up in Three Rivers, not quite downtown as you reside. It's on the outskirts with hermits. It's a hermitage. And... Uh, I kept that up, seeking God in the silence, trying to be reminded of his truth. But the problem was I was struggling with the lies of the enemy. The lies that I heard and I felt and I was starting to believe was that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't gifted enough. I wasn't pastory enough. I wasn't enough. But during one of those times of prayers, today's verse came to my mind again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your paths straight. And I reflected on that, and I was not believing it in the time, so when I was reciting it, it was more of a plea, a longing to believe, trying to trust God when I was so full of doubt and struggling with these lies. And in that space, I felt a sense of calm come over me. And the words, I believe, prompting from the Spirit came to me that said, you are enough because I'll make you enough. I fill the gaps. You're enough. So I took a little flashcard. I wrote that on a flashcard. You are enough. Put it right on my desk where I did all my job searching work. A reminder that God had a plan and a path for me to take heart, be faithful to what is right in front of me. I kept up the cycle of job searching. Uh, if you've ever been there, it's not a fun place to be. And in, in ministry, it's a weird feeling that you're trying to sell yourself to church. And you're like, this is weird because this is like a call. This is a God thing, but it's weird. And so I kept up with it. I landed three church interviews over a course of time uh, after those months. Except the first one, uh, they emailed me, hey, we'd love to schedule an interview with you. I send the reply back. That's great. That date, that time works for me. And they replied, uh, we are so deeply sorry. We intended to send that to another candidate. <laughs> oh. 
painful. Painful. Like, okay, I guess that's not meant to be. Next one, the second one, um, I did have an interview. It went really well. It felt good. Uh, it, it went well. I knew someone on the search team. I was feeling pretty good. But then they contacted me and said, you know, we really enjoy our time, but we're moving forward with someone else. I'm like, okay, all right, all right. I still have this other interview. And that was the one I was excited about, right? Like, Megan and I, we, we, you do a lot of dreaming in the job search. and said, if I could have my way, this is what it would look like, which is kind of funny because God doesn't use, you know, he works differently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this was the one. We were like, yeah, this is the one. Had the first interview. It went really well. It was on Skype before Zoom was a thing, before, like, you know, all this stuff. And because uh, it was out of town. And then I traveled to that place. I had a second interview. I got my jacket tailored. So I was like, my clothes fit me. And I went in person. I was early. It went really well. I had such a good camaraderie. Uh, it seemed like the job description was, was tailor-made to what I thought I had wanted and who I was as a leader. All signs pointed to go. So much so, Meg and I started looking up houses. We were kind of planning and preparing for a potential move. We said, this must be that window. Until I get the phone call. Man, really enjoyed our time. Excited about the possibility. However, it came down to two candidates. And you're the runner-up. Went to the other one. Which I can look at and I can smile about now because I know how God works and I celebrate how he has worked. But in that moment, I hung up that phone. I grabbed that flashcard that said, you are enough, and I ripped it in half. I walked away. I was broken. Devastated. I was so deeply hurt. I was so confused. And I was really, really mad at God. I didn't understand. In our lives, doors will close. Maybe a lot of doors. Maybe that perfect-looking door that you think you fit perfectly through. But it closes. And it's going to be so hard. And you will wonder why. And you will question God. You will be angry at God. And you will be tempted to shut Him out and say, forget it. I'm done. And run away. But this is my deep encouragement, is to not close that door. When you get angry, you don't cause that to run away from God. You direct that anger at God. He is big. He can handle your anger. Have you read the Psalms? Have you read Lamentations? He hears the cries of his people. Scream at him. Yell at him. Pour out your heart. Because we remember the words of the psalmist, that the Lord is near to all who call on him who call on him in truth. What was I feeling? What was true for me in that moment? I was completely and utterly broken and angry. By the grace of God, and I have no idea how, only through him, I directed it at him instead of using that to run away. And yet I still felt broken. It took some time until he did bring me out of that brokenness. And he did it in surprising ways, and he often does it through people he may place in your life. The first little moment that helped that process, that night, still feeling all this stuff. And remember, in the back of your head are those lies saying, you're not good enough, you can't provide for your family, maybe this ministry thing isn't for you at all. I get into bed and and I feel something under my pillow, tiny little 
piece of paper, like it was, it was like ripped off, right, from a piece of paper. It was Meg's handwriting and just said, you are underlined enough. Still have that paper. And through my conversation with her and with others that God had placed in my life, God had used them to remind me that I was called to this. Not just to ministry, but I was called into the in-between. And that is true for you too. If a door closes, don't see it as a, a failed thing. God has something to do with you and through you in that space, but in the in-between. God used Meg as his faithful servant and mouthpiece to encourage me to not miss the blessing of what was before me right then and there. That's my encouragement to you. If you find yourself in the in-between, do not miss the blessing. Not miss the blessing. For me, I had eight to nine months of just me and Miles at home figuring this fathering thing out. What a gift. Who gets that? Not only that, I had learned earlier in our marriage how incredible, how loving, how supportive, how encouraging, how willing to do whatever it takes for our family, my amazing wife. And then there was also cool blessings that you don't even expect. Remember that campus ministry door come shutting closed on me? <laughs> there was this guy that was part of campus ministry. His name was Quentin. Uh, still is Quentin. He's up there. He has his headphones on. He's, he looks serious. Quentin had been a part of campus ministry from before day one. In fact, I was at a missional community with these hooligans up here, Kylie and her family. You're not hooligans, love you guys. And uh, it was this freak random thing. I was at a missional community, part of the church I was with at the time, just kind of checking it out. I meet Quentin and Kylie, and uh, Kylie's going to Hope. Quentin, though, going to Western. He comes, he shows up first day, and I could never get rid of him. I didn't want to either showed up to everything. He was faithful through all the trials and joys of campus ministry at WMU. Came to a close, but our relationship never did. He continued to be a friend in my life in that in-between. He is here now. Him and, and now Kylie, she graduated from Hope, and they got married. I got to stand in their wedding, and they are here now doing so much for God in this place. And it's incredible to see, oh yeah, that, that campus ministry door might have closed but look at the one that was opened for it. And now you guys are like some of my closest friends. And seeing you grow and develop into your leadership is one of my greatest joys. So we celebrate that. You don't miss the blessing of the in-between. And through it all, God will likely be trying to teach you something. He might be trying to hone you or humble you like he had to humble me or to learn actual trust. And not just that superficial trust we think is trust, but really isn't. But learning to rely on him when everything else is going bad. And it brought me to that place where I finally completely submitted and surrendered to whatever God's will was in my life. Because until then, I still had my wish list, right? Right? Here's my idea of what I should do. 
But God had a different plan in store and a different timeline for me. And that's what I can see now. So for you, I don't know what the blessing of the in-between is. But I do know that it is there. I do know that God never wastes a hurt. I do know that he never wastes a season. There is something in there for you, preparing you and blessing you, even as you long for that window to open. If you seek him, seek him, not these other things, but seek him, you shall find blessing in the in-between. So let's finish up my little, my little story here. Uh, the search continued for a few more months. I truly did give away that wish list, and I expanded the net wide. I even applied to a retirement community in Florida. <laughs> Imagine me as a pastor of a retirement community church in Florida, playing like shuffleboard and eating at four. I don't know. Sounded really good in the moment. Like, Miles will have like a million grandkids or parents. Be good. I was open to anything, and I was like, you know what? I had a piece about it. And at the end of June or so, I got this completely random phone call from this guy named Kent Friends. I'm like, who's this guy? I knew him, but I didn't know him well. Oh, yeah, he's the pastor at Hope Reformed Church. And it was the most unusual phone call of my entire experience because, you know, it's like this weird wine and dine dance when you're in a job search. Not when Pastor Kent called. He called, he said, hey, Kevin, I understand you still don't have a ministry placement, right? I was like, yeah, don't rub it in. (laughs) He's like, hey, I just kind of want to talk to you. I I realize I don't know you very well. Uh, Would you be willing to come meet with me and Ed Moore, our VP? He was a VP at the time. Like, yeah, absolutely. Why not? I was like, I don't know. So I come on over to Hope. And my conversation with Ed and Pastor Ken was unlike any throughout this. It wasn't really an interview. It was like, a, tell us about your heart for ministry. What energizes you? Why, why were you called into this? Just share. Just share. Why, why do you love God so much and want to help others in their walk with it? So I just kind of shared, and I, I didn't, ha- they didn't ask for a resume. I didn't bring one. They, who cares if I had pictures on it? Who cares about a letterhead, right? And I'm just talking, and at the end, they're like, so we've just kind of been dreaming about the potential of bringing someone in. We have no details, maybe to help with our youth, because we have a lot of youth coming up, and uh, want to talk again? Okay, sure. I come back, that meeting, Pastor Ken's like, Kevin, I have to tell, I have to be honest with you. I actually just accepted another call. You guys remember that? He, he, he was sent uh, away from here after a good ministry here for several years. And so here I am, you know, like, uh, I'm open to anything at this point. And on paper, remember, I had a list before. On paper, part-time youth pastor, uh, at a church with a vacancy, so a church entering transition after a well-loved pastor. That wasn't like exactly top of my list, right? That maybe on paper might not have been like on my list at all. And yet there was a piece I had from my interactions and those conversations and about what God was doing. And so, so we were praying over it and we thought, let's see where this door goes. We met more of you. I remember meeting Colin Durian was the first journey kid I met. He had an airsoft bullet right there, huge wound from that. And I, we just, yeah, was, he did. Yeah, he'll tell you about it too. It was great. Um, and I met, we met more of you. Meg and I were praying into it. We, we visited. Some of you may remember that or maybe not. And we realized this indeed was the window. 
that God, that we had longed for for nine months, on paper was nothing at all like we imagined. I can tell you today it was absolutely what God was preparing us for. It was absolutely the right thing. Because this is what we have to remember in the in-between. God's ways are not our ways. And what's more than that, his love is so great for us, right? Like he is working these things out in ways we can't fathom. We can't see his plan and path. So we ought to, and I wasn't, but this is my encouragement to you, be prepared to be surprised. And to be amazed. You see, I tell you this all, this very long story. Thanks for hanging in there. You're like, you are preaching as long as Paul. <laughs> I tell you this because God closed somewhere around 50 doors between Campus Ministry and Hope Church and my life and my nine-month journey, 50 doors. And I know for certain now, none of those would have been right. And frankly, I needed all 50 of those doors to close for God to do the work in me to prepare me for what he had next. What I didn't realize at that time was those closed doors were a complete answer to prayer. They prepared me and they led me here, which is exactly where God wanted and God wants me. So what do we know? about this phrase. We do know that God will close doors. It does happen. And we do know that God will eventually open up the next. But never for a second think that he is not at work in the in-between. God never slumbers nor sleeps. He is constantly at work in ways that are greater than we can even fathom. And he invites us forward into the path and the plan that he has in store for us for his kingdom cause. So we can trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We can lean not on our own understanding because we'll miss it. But he will provide the way forward. So this is our takeaway. What do we do with all this? If you have nothing else, well, maybe you can do this. If you find yourself in the in-between and you have no idea where to go or when that door may come, just simply be faithful to what is right in front of you. You may be one, two, or 50 doors away from the next open one. You may have no idea how long you'll be in the season. You may look ahead and not be clear of anything at all, not sure of what even you can do, But this is the one thing you can do. You can be faithful to the very thing right in front of you, right here and now. God almost always, almost never, I should say, shows us the full journey. But he will reveal to us that next step. He will. And that next step is usually a step of faith, once again, toward him. To trust in the Lord with all our heart. To acknowledge him in all ways, because he will show us his path, and our step on that path. And that's our final encouragement. If you find yourself in the in-between, if you're wondering where the window is, if you're looking for your hope, simply run to God. He'll guide you. He'll comfort you. He'll prepare you. He will amaze you. Don't know where to go? Just go to him. Run to the Father. He will meet you in that in-between And he will bless you greatly. 
we give thanks to God for how he works, that he's always at work, that his path and ways are so much greater than our own. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, we pray that through this meditation, this reflection, that your spirit has stirred something up within each of us, God. And we just give you thanks, Lord, with the knowledge and the assurance we have that you are present with us in the midst of the struggle and the joys and the celebrations and in the longing and the hoping for more. God, we pray that as we seek to conclude our worship here, that it's not a conclusion of our worship, but a springboard into what you have next for us. That as we prepare to go, we go with your love, your blessing, and your good promise that you travel with us. Thank you, Lord, for how you work in and through our lives. We love you, we praise you, and we pray all this in the power and authority of Jesus' name. Amen.